These words from Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As I have mentioned on other occasions, my first experiences with church and with Christianity in general began for me as a young child in a small Pentecostal church in the rural mountains of Virginia. And being very young in those days, I did not understand much of what I was observing take place in those church services. But I do remember that it left a deeply rooted impression in my mind. The impression that something very special, something very powerful was taking place. I recall very vividly now, these 60 years later, my hanging on to my mama's leg as she would tremble and shout to the Lord. And again, I did not understand any of it. But on one occasion, I asked her what was happening to her. And she said simply that the power of God caused her to shout as she did. The power of God caused her to shout. Those words and those events have left this indelible impression in my memory. Watching as she and other people in, in those services responded to something going on within them, provoked perhaps by the preacher, or perhaps while they were singing a hymn, suddenly being caught up with this mysterious trembling and shaking. I confess to you, that I have often wondered why the same power of God had not manifested itself in the same way within me and within my worship. Now, some preachers and teachers, especially within our traditional Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, and other conservative churches, they question those behaviors, often scoffing, and denying that such responses are really real, suggesting that they are somehow made up, and some even declaring that those responses are brought on by demonic influence. And maybe some of it really is made up, and maybe some of it even comes from the demonic world. But folks, I confess to you that I am far more generous in my thoughts and in my acceptance of those responses. I knew my mother, and I knew her well, and I saw none of that foolishness in her. It was not in her character to make up those things. And she gave no indication that she was ever influenced by demons. So what then was really taking place within her and within all those many other saints that have, have experienced those same moments of the power of God coursing through their souls. May I suggest to you that it probably came as a result of some of these very same truths that we've been studying about here over these past several weeks. 
these words that we've been studying, they clearly declare that the very presence of God gains access to our heart, to our soul, to our mind, to our spirit. And as we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, He comes to live within us. May I read those words again for you, beginning in verse 16 of this same chapter. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend all with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding, all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now I can't help but note there in verse 16 the words strengthen with power through his spirit in your inner being those are very similar words to the words my mother used as she tried to explain to me what was taking place within her as she shouted here in these words of scripture we're told very plainly that the presence of the living God comes to live within us. And that the very fullness of God dwells within us. And that he brings with him a very special power. And with that being so, should I, should you, not at least on some occasions, erupt into a spontaneous praise and adoration and worship of this great and mighty and powerful and loving God that has so graciously consented to save us from our sins. We did not deserve that, but he graciously decided to save us from our sins. And to not just give us a blessed life while we remain here on the earth, but to also give us eternal life with him in heaven. Shouldn't that cause us to perhaps suddenly erupt into praise of Him? Now, I'll pause here for a moment and remind us of why I have brought these special thoughts to us. It's because here, in verse 20, seemingly completely out of context, the Apostle Paul stops his discourse and suddenly erupts into this spontaneous praise and adoration and worship of God. Some Bible scholars have commented that this doxology is simply an appropriate ending to this particular chapter of this book, chapter 3. But if we remember in the original text, quite often there were no exact chapters. Those were divided into chapters during the canonization of Scripture. So then, I'm convinced that this sudden eruption into praise and adoration and worship welled up within the Apostle Paul out of the fullness of God that was within him. And it spontaneously overflowed into these words. And no, we're not told here that Paul was shaking or shouting, but something very special 
was obviously taking place within him. And we know that Paul was very expressive of his worship in many other ways, such as that of lifting up holy hands to the Lord. He said in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, I desire then that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands. Again, yes. All of these words come directly from the Holy Spirit. We say that often. But as God's words are filtered through the mind of this man, Paul, we can clearly see his emotional, human responses to those words. So then, may I take a liberty here and for myself believe that Paul was doing far more than just sitting and mumbling these words quietly to himself. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Folks, those are not the kind of words that are mumbled quietly to ourselves. I am convinced that this was one of those real hallelujah moments for the Apostle Paul. And I believe that he at least spoke these words very loud, loudly even perhaps shouting them to the rooftops. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What would be wrong with the Apostle Paul being a little bit loud with those words? They certainly do speak a different message than one mumbled quietly. You know, worship in heaven is loud. Listen to these words from Isaiah 6. And one angel called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And listen. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Those thundering words do not sound very Presbyterian or Baptist or Methodist, do they? Now, please do understand, and not, don't be concerned, I'm not suggesting that we change the whole order of worship within this church. But I do believe that we ought to be a little more expressive with our worship. I'm reminded of those moments there on the beach just before Jesus was taken back up into heaven. In talking with Peter, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter struggled to come up with the right answer. He did protest each time, though, that he had some brotherly affection for Jesus. But ask yourself, how was Peter supposed 
to express his love. Should Peter have hugged the Lord Jesus? I personally believe that he should have hugged the Lord Jesus. But more than that, Peter should have fallen to his knees and openly and perhaps loudly declared his worship of the Lord Jesus. Recall again, I mentioned earlier about the Sunday school class. Here is Mary who breaks this vial of very precious ointment, perfume, over the Lord Jesus and anoints him with it and worships him in the most wonderful way that anyone could ever worship the Lord Jesus. Was she wrong in doing that? She was criticized for it by the disciples. But that was her response. She hugged the Lord Jesus in a sense. Again, I believe that we, each of us, could often be more expressive with our worship of the Lord. And we would not be in violation of those long-held traditions and those scriptures that tell us to always do things decently and in order. That's from 1 Corinthians 14.30. I would suggest you read that because it's not intended for the purpose that we often use it for. And may I ask and even suggest perhaps that we are more concerned about our own dignity? Is that your problem or my problem? Are we more concerned with our dignity than we are about the majesty and the glory and the honor of our God? Is God not deserving of at least some show of excitement on our part? Did He not bless us so greatly by sending His own dear Son to die that we might have life? And should we not be very glad that He did that? And perhaps show our appreciation in some manner or another that, that does not necessarily conform to our conservative natures. Folks, listen. These words in this book they're real. They're really real. And the Holy Spirit really does live within those of us who have received Christ as our Savior and Lord. And as these words tell us, we are strengthened continually with the power of His Spirit in our inner being. And we really do have the fullness of God living within us right now. I recognize that all these concepts are difficult to comprehend and to accept. But I am also quickly coming to the conclusion that if I am ever going to become the Christian that God wants me to be, then I am going to need to step on forward and get on past some of my inhibitions and my anxieties and begin to really believe and to accept each of these things that I'm reading here in these scriptures, trusting them to be absolutely true. 
And beyond just believing these truths, I really do need to begin doing something about them. That the common responses of my daily life ought to clearly and openly show that I really do believe these truths. And I confess to you that I really would like to have a lot more of these hallelujah moments that the Apostle Paul was experiencing here. Moments when I would just spontaneously break forth into praise and worship and adoration of the Lord Jesus. Now wouldn't that perhaps embarrass our friends and family if we suddenly blurted out, Amen! Hallelujah! So something someone might say, or even here in this church, to what I might say is, I would preach. Maybe that would embarrass us in front of our family. Or even worse, would it maybe cause them to run and hide, perhaps if we were to maybe break into some loud praise and worship song as we're walking along the street with them. Would they go run and hide? But listen, more wonderfully, it might not embarrass them. And it may not cause them to run and hide. It might just encourage them to express their own love and praise and worship for the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Now I can see that my words today are odd. But are my words any more odd than the ones we've been, we've been reading here? That God himself is actually living within me, within you. And more than that, as he lives within us, and as we remain surrendered to him, that he actually influences and guides the thoughts that we think, the words that we say, and the way we behave. Is he doing that in your life? May I say that he really does do exactly that. I know that he does. I can tell the difference in my own manner of daily living. Now, in these days as compared to the way I used to live. And I can see it in my dear wife and in those of my family who have received Christ as their Lord. And yes, I do fully understand and accept that in me, in each of us, personally, there is no good thing. Scripture tells us that clearly. But I do also know that because the Spirit of Christ lives in me, in each of us who are saved, that I, we, can actually think and do many things in a far better way than we did them before we were saved. Our life is different. And our praise and our worship brings great delight to the Lord. So then, should we not be thankful and express our thanks to Him for all of His great blessings to us? May I say I heard 
rejoice. Say those very words a while ago before the church service. She gave thanks to the Lord for her work. I recall when the many years that uh, Miss Linda Spencer led our singing at French Camp Academy, that we would sing this particular song and uh, that expresses exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, some of those words of this song were, He lives within the praises of His people. He loves to hear us call upon His name. So set your mind on Him and let your praise begin and the glory of the Lord will fill this place. Isn't that delightful? A delightful thought. As you and I break forth into praise and adoration of God, blessings really do begin to just rain down upon us. Blessings that would not come to us otherwise. Now again, this is all very real. Is it real in your personal life? Ask yourself that. Is this real in my personal life? Do you offer up prayers and praise all throughout your day? Or do you just get on about each day in your usual way? Would you not rather have the immediate presence of God filling all of the circumstances of your daily life guiding and influencing your thoughts and your behaviors. God will do exactly that. And He wants to do that. But you and I must be willing to accept and to receive His special, intimate involvement. And we really must call upon His name. Before I close, I want to share a recent personal experience involves my dear wife in some family matters that we've been experiencing recently. My wife and I have been really crying out to the Lord for His help. A mixture of praise and worship and tearful pleading. My wife is especially giving given to Weeping and praying. As she prays, she sobs. May I declare to you that God listens to her in her weeping and her sobbing. He loves her so deeply. And I know that it blesses Him. It blesses the heart of God as she cries out to Him. And He comes to her aid. And He answers her prayers. Our children and others are blessed beyond measure and they don't even know why. They have no idea that it's because my dear wife is continually before the throne of God crying out to Him on their behalf, praying and praising and worshiping God. My question for you is, are these things also taking place in your life? Are you crying out to God for His help and His guidance? And then, do you find yourself 
spontaneously blurting out, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I do not suggest that you make up or try to make up those moments or force them to take place. That's not the way it's supposed to be. True praise and worship will come to you and to me just as it did here with the Apostle Paul. When we allow our hearts to be filled with the fullness of God, praise and worship will simply well up within us. All throughout our day, and we'll find ourselves shouting out, Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And the more often that we intentionally surrender over those ordinary matters of our day, then the more often we'll have our own hallelujah moments as the Apostle Paul did. And I'll close with those words again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to this power at work within us, to him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations to our children and to our children's children forever and ever. Amen. May we pray.